regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad you're with us on the program today. So uh, we don't have any Supreme Court decisions to talk about, but uh, boy, there is a lot going on in the uh, courts of appeals at the moment. Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in Illinois uh, going to be hearing oral arguments uh, in the Illinois uh, ban on so-called assault weapons and large capacity magazines today. And on Wednesday, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, heard oral arguments in a case dealing with a law. This is so bizarre. A law passed by the state of California uh, ostensibly to uh, prevent minors from being exposed to marketing materials that uh, will persuade them or convince them to purchase a firearm when they're a minor, which is, you know, against the law and uh, supposedly impossible to do in California with universal background checks and 10-day waiting period. This is really an attack on the speech rights of Second Amendment supporters. Uh, and yesterday's hearing apparently did not go well for the state of California. We're going to be talking about this with attorney Anna Barber of Michelle and Associates, who was uh, one of the attorneys working extensively uh, on this case. She'll be joining us here in just a moment. Before we get to that, however, you know, Biden's America is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat the next time you go to the grocery store and you'll know what exactly what I'm talking about. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it. And I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today... Qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. So let's delve into the Ninth Circuit's oral arguments. Now, keep in mind, by the way, the Ninth Circuit, since Heller, has yet to rule that any gun control law that's become before it or that's come before it is unconstitutional. They've upheld every single gun control law in California, Hawaii, Washington State, uh, and Oregon that they have heard. But this, this might be the case that undoes that streak. Take a look and a listen. Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It is great to meet you virtually, and I really do appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it, it seems like uh, yesterday was a very good day. Uh, for you and the gun owners who are challenging this law in California and a very, very bad day for a California Attorney General Rob Bonta. Um, that, that's the impression that I get. It, it, but I want to know your perspective. How do you think yesterday's oral arguments went? Um, it felt really it felt really positive. There was a really calm vibe, I think, in the courtroom. The judges seemed to really understand the position that we were putting forward um, about how, you know, gun advertisements and and not just gun advertisements but all sorts of advertisements for products that one might use in the shooting sports um how you know restricting those violates the first amendment um and not just um and I think, and, and not even like under the strongest type of scrutiny you could have, but like even just as a commercial ad, which is not, you know, currently in our in our jurisprudence, it's not as 
it's easier to uphold a law like that. But I think the court was really following why we were saying that even even under that lower standard of scrutiny, that this law can't stand. Um, I, I it did feel like a little bit of a hot bench for the state, um, which we're not used to feeling sometimes over here um, in the right. Ninth Circuit. So it was definitely uh, it was definitely a good feeling yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, in the 15 years since uh, Heller was handed down, the Ninth Circuit We've seen, listen, we've seen some three-judge panels say, yeah, this law is unconstitutional. But but in every one of these cases, the en banc panel comes along and says, oh, no, no, this gun control law is fine. The Ninth Circuit has yet to find a gun control law unconstitutional. Now, this is not specifically a gun control law, right? Because this is basically a, a First Amendment case, not a pure Second Amendment case. That's right. The, the state through AB 2571 was basically trying to I mean, what it looks like to us as a nefarious purpose is to basically bankrupt the firearms industry with the threat of these types of lawsuits or the muzzling of their speech. Um, and so they go after the First Amendment. Um, but as a result, I think it is an indirect result of that. But just as intentional, they're going after the Second Amendment, too. So um, what you know. With regard to what the Ninth Circuit, the larger court might do with regard to bringing it on bonk, it's hard to say. Um, to me, this law is so offensive to the First Amendment. It it, it could squeak by without the, the Ninth Circuit calling for an en banc review. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because because it does deal with Second Amendment issues. Right. Yeah. And I, I think there's a strategy. Tell me if, if, if you think I'm entirely off base, but I think there's a strategy on the part of gun control advocates. And that would include the attorney general of California in that group to kind of play keep away from the Supreme Court. Uh, as long as possible with the current makeup of the court. Uh, it seems to me like, you know, there, there's this desire to let, let's let, not let the justices get a hold of these cases if we can help it. So let's kick it to an en banc. Let's try to drag out these appeals as long as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, that that seems to make sense for them because the makeup of the court is is entirely unfriendly to, I think, obviously, to that that position. Um, but there's only so long that they can do that. And, and right. some of the courts, I mean, we've seen some cases come out recently. Some of the courts are like, here, take this, take this decision. They want you to. <laughs> right. So so what makes a obviously from a gun owner's perspective, there's a lot that's offensive about uh, AB 2571. But what, in your opinion, makes this so offensive to the First Amendment? The state of California says, look, we're we're not trying to kill anybody's speech rights. We're just saying that you can't market guns to kids. What's wrong with that? Right. If you're asking me, I'm going to wear two hats on this. For me, it's most offensive, I think, personally, and as someone who who interacts with the gun community on a regular basis as an attorney for, you know, for these issues. Um, the most offensive part is reading through the legislative history and you can see what the state was really trying to do there. There's, I mean, it's littered with references to the problem of encouraging young shooters and passing down these messages. They, they, the state relied heavily in the legislative history on a report called Start Them Young from the Violence Policy Center um, that just shreds uh, my client, the Junior Sports Magazines, um, as well as the NSSF and the NRA, talks about them being in cahoots to create a new generation of shooters because all of their old white men are gone. They're dying off. So we need to make, you know, we need to get put hands in the hands, hand, guns in the hands of babies. I mean, that's the rhetoric that you can see in this legislative history. So for me, that's what's most offensive. And I would hope the court sees that that's obviously a viewpoint discrimination um, that can't withstand the First Amendment. 
But um, I think where we we can win anyway, and is also super offensive about this law, and I think it's probably where the court's going to go, um, they don't necessarily need to talk about the viewpoint discrimination that's there and get a strict scrutiny for us to win. We can talk about just being, this is just, okay, all right, we believe you. This is entirely about ads to prevent, to prevent unlawful possession or uh, purchase of firearms by minors. Sure, that's what it's about, and it always was. The court still sees, and I, I think the court still sees, and um, and I think we made a really strong argument yesterday that even if that's true, what you've done is what the state has done has pulled in so much more speech than that that is protected, and it isn't just targeting ads that were put in, you know, Teen Magazine to 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 say go buy guns illegally in California. Like if that's what we were talking about, I don't think anyone would have a problem because no one's doing that. But what the speech that they're going after is lawful speech. It's about lawful purchases of firearms, speech to adults um, about what their children might be able to lawfully use, and speech to children about what they might want to purchase when they become adults. So this becomes such an overly broad law that it couldn't even withstand intermediate scrutiny. But at the same time, and I mentioned it in, in the hearing yesterday, it's also under-inclusive, right? Because the legislative history talks about how Slick advertising to children is pushed into video games and to movies and to children's books. And yet all of those industries are exempt from the law. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that are offensive under the First Amendment. Yeah. Hollywood would come out with a movie tomorrow that features a 12 year old action hero, you know, using an AR-15 for 90 minutes on the silver screen. And Rob Bond is not going to blink an eye, but Mm -hmm. I want to give you an example and tell me if, if, if this would run afoul of AB 2571. I taught my kids to shoot with a cricket 22 single shot rifle um, are ads for those, even in magazines that are aimed at adults ad for, you know, guns that are designed for, you know, my, at the time, 10 year old child uh, for right. me to teach them how to be safe and responsible Would that ad run afoul of California's law. 100%. The law is written so that this courts that look at whether or not a law is violating the rule, uh, 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 whether an ad is violating the law is a, quote, totality of the circumstances test. And the state law gives a list of things that one might look to to determine whether or not something is reasonably attractive to a minor and though and thus in violation of the law. And things like uh, obviously things like, you know, uh, they're talking about putting, you know, slapping guns on toys and saying buy this particular firearm, but it's more than that. It's also ads in magazines that would feature children. So if you have a cricket ad where, you know, dad is teaching child to to use their that cricket, that would be a violation. Um, and also uh, when the ads portray firearms or firearm related products that are made in sizes or colors that might be attractive to children. So if they're make if if cricket is making a firearm that is this shit and we know that it is it's right. That's what it's designed for. That is the size that's appropriate for the smaller ch- smaller shooter including children, that would be that would be in violation of law even if it's in an adults only magazine. Um and um Excuse me. And, and the thing and it's funny, you bring up cricket, especially because, again, in that legislative history, they talk about that particular firearm expressly. They mention that firearm and how offensive it is that these children should be able to access it. You know, and so, again, I mean, you're right. This this clearly is about not just protecting kids, but about chilling the, the free speech of adults, of Second Amendment advocates who do want to pass on 
not only the tradition and the the right to keep and bear arms, but frankly, how to be safe and responsible with firearms. That's the that's the, maybe one of the most galling things about this law is it encourages <laughs> and incentivizes ignorance. Right. I mean, look, California, with all of its gun control laws, I'm still seeing stories every day. 15, 16 year old gang members who are illegally getting a hold of guns um, and the state of California apparently shrugs its you know collective shoulders at that. But they want to go after parents who would dare educate their kids on how to be safe and responsible, who, who would provide that training, who maybe would you know encourage their kids to take part in the shooting sports. All of that is seen as more taboo, it seems. Then, you know, teen gang members getting caught with a gun because they typically get a slap on the wrist and they're sent back out on the streets. But, you know, a, a magazine like uh, Junior Shooting Sports or, uh, you know, Safari Club International, uh, you know, trying to encourage youth hunting. That's a bigger problem, it seems like anyway, for the state of California. And that's I mean, I think that that was what I see from the legislative history of AB 2571. And and while the state after being sued, tried to amend it through AB 160 to allow for promotion and ads that simply that promote events like hunting events or youth competitions. They it still was very clear that it wasn't going to include speech at those events. So as as I'm sure you're aware, those sorts of events rely necessarily on that type of commercial speech. Those you know vendors to come in and say, hey, this is a really good you know holster to use. Holsters would be part of that because it's a firearm accessory under the law. So or this is a really good um, ear protection. Again, that's an accessory under the law. So these sorts of this sorts of commercial speech can't happen at those events. So it shuts those events down and it's by design. I, I I would love to give the state the benefit of the doubt that that's not what they were trying to do, but the legislative history is 100% clear. Yeah. So um, so who was on the three-judge panel yesterday? I know it was Judge Van Dyke, uh, mm -hmm. Judge Lee. Um, who was the third judge on this panel? Judge N.R. Smith. Um, he's been there a little while, senior status circuit judge. Uh, okay. Very, very affable gentleman, came out and spoke with all the attorneys before. Um, little small talk. He made everybody in the courtroom feel really at ease. Um, it was a great panel. Good. And, and it seemed like the judges understood the issues at stake here. I think so. I think so. And I, and, and you could see that, by the way, um, <laughs> If you got to if you had the opportunity to, to see the argument like leading me down, I mean, I, I could have let it down myself, but the court was leading me down exactly what the the, the standard is. Um, and then the the very probing questions, I think, that the court was asking the state to really get the state to be on the record as tell, you know, as what exactly ads are you attacking? And then how do those ads how are you proving that those ads have anything to do with the concern that you that the state is putting forward, which is this justification of, well, there's these these deaths or these got, firearms are finding kids are getting guns in their hands and shooting up places. So those are the issues. But the court didn't seem to follow that jump from here's an ad for, in, in junior sports magazine to a mass shooting at a, at a school like they didn't see that. I, I It didn't seem to me. Well, no, in fact, it seemed almost the 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 contrary. Like uh, at one point, I, I think it was Judge Lee who asked uh, the attorneys for the state, OK, well, you know, could you ban ads that are attractive to minors uh, that glorify violence when it comes to movies and video games? Right. Okay. And, and the state of California said, well, I don't know, because the First Amendment comes into play there. And I think it was Judge Van Dyke who said, well, yeah, but we're talking about, you know, the Second Amendment coming into play in addition to the First Amendment coming into play with AB 2571. 
Uh, again, you know, the state of California, and, and this is nothing new, Anna, you've dealt with this for years, right? <laughs> uh, you know, they they view, ultimately, they view the bigger problem as legal gun ownership, right? If we if they can eradicate legal gun ownership, then somehow that'll have a trickle-down effect on illegal gun possession. Right. Um, and uh, frankly, I, I think it's not only unconstitutional, I think it's a completely backwards approach, but... Right. Uh, um, it, it is good to hear that the uh, the panel yesterday seemed to understand and did seem to have some some very serious questions uh, for the state of California. What, what about um, the state of California's argument that, uh, well, look, we, we ban uh, alcohol and tobacco ads for minors. So why can't we regulate? You got to be, you know, 21 years of age to purchase a firearm in the state of California. Why can't we ban uh, ads that, you know, similarly target or market uh, firearms or accessories or even uh, gun ownership to children? I think there's a lot of reasons that those t- cases do support the state's argument in that with regard to tobacco and alcohol and, and other types of things that we see as vices. Right. Um, and but there are a lot of reasons those cases don't make sense in this context. And part of it, I think we already you already mentioned is we are not talking about we're not talking about alcohol or tobacco, marijuana, brothels or gambling. We're talking about firearms, ammunition, um, the things that one needs to participate in the shooting sports. This is Second Amendment protected conduct. And and it's conduct that is not illegal for minors to engage in it, even in California. So like, yeah, at all in all cases, smoking a cigarette at 17 is against the law. Selling a cigarette to a child of 16 is against the law. It's not the case in California that children, minors cannot learn to use and shoot uh, firearms legally uh, with parental permission or under adult supervision. That's one reason that it's quite different. Plus, and you also mentioned this too, is we're talking about the First Amendment and how it kind of interacts with a Second Amendment product as opposed to all ads about tobacco. While it's speech, it's not really political speech. An, An ad for a gun is political speech. It really is. It's telling you a viewpoint. It's not telling that you hate guns, I would just suspect. <laughs> so um, so I think that there's a lot that goes into why though that those cases with regard to tobacco and alcohol, they just don't fit for the state. And instead, we want to try to get the court to see, and I think the court does see, that there's another line of cases that works here, and it has to deal with advertisements that are that are are targeted to both adults and minors, because that's that's true here. It was. It's ju- not just advertisements that are for children. It's if they're reasonably attractive to children, even if the only recipient is a grown-up. So you're talking about you're talking about ads to both, and you're talking about ads that deal with constitutionally protected products. And there's a line of cases with regard to ads for birth control for contraceptives that tell us that you can't go after speech. You can't restrict speech to both adults and minors for constitutionally protective conduct when there's something else. You can when there's other non-speech related things you can do, um, the state can do to address its interests. Yeah, including perhaps, you know, a functional juvenile justice system uh, in places like Los Angeles County. Right. So, yeah, things of that nature. Um, well, I, I, again, I am uh, I, I'm actually and this is so weird for me to say, but I'm actually looking forward to seeing what the Ninth Circuit has to say uh, in this decision. Normally, I, I'm not. I'm normally I'm kind of dreading what the Ninth Circuit will say, but I actually am looking forward to this. Um, and I've got to ask you, you know, I know that Chuck is in Illinois today, Seventh Circuit yes. Court of Appeals, holding a, a huge hearing on Illinois' ban on so-called assaultments in the large capacity right. magazines. Um, you all are so busy at Michelle and Associates. What, can, can you let us know what are some of the other cases that you're working on right now? My my biggest um, 
Vegas area right now. Of course, I'm the lead attorney in Duncan, which is the um, which is the large capacity mag, so called large capacity magazine challenge um, before Judge Benitez in in San Diego, um, which is obviously the joy of my life to be the responsible attorney for that case. Um, <laughs> obviously, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm also doing a lot of work um, that's both First and Second Amendment um, on protecting gun shows in California. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Um, there was a series of laws first at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, then mm-hmm. at the Orange County Fair and Event Complex, and now it's all state-owned fairgrounds and, and places where they're not allowed to where <clears throat> excuse me those those venues are no longer allowed to contract with uh, folks to allow for the sale of firearms, um, ammunition, or or firearm precursor parts, and so it basically has the effect of banning all gun shows at those event at those event centers um and so we have two lawsuits going on one against the del mar in the del mar fairgrounds and one against um um, orange county excuse me we have a motion to dismiss that's on appeal we lost um and that's on appeal to the ninth circuit currently and we have a motion for preliminary injunction that's waiting for decision in the um in judge holcomb's court in uh central district Okay. Well, thank you again for uh, everything you're doing to protect these civil liberties and and restore, frankly, the civil liberties of Californians, because a lot of these rights have already been lost. Um, one last question for you. When when do you think we're going to hear from Judge Benitez in, in Duncan? Because I've been kind of waiting, you know, like, like what's going on here? Judge? Uh, we, on. We've all been waiting, but uh, I think we have to remember he took a lot. He asked for a lot of information and a lot of briefing, and it's in four different cases. So I suspect I mean, he's a very thoughtful judge and he gives us very detailed, um, helpful opinions. So I suspected that's what's taking so long. uh, But there is never any way to know, especially (laughs) because we're talking about the final judgment. Most likely it's not that's we're just going to go straight, I think, to the end of that case. So um, it could be any time. Hopefully it will be sooner than later. Um, (laughs) Because I think there's some there's some similar cases in less friendly districts that we'd like to see, you know, Benita's um, make his decision before those come out. Absolutely. Um, I do think it'll be worth the wait whenever we uh, whenever we get that decision. I think it will. Uh, absolutely. Well, listen, Anna, thank you again for coming on the program. I hope we get a chance to uh, to do this again in the very near future. But uh, most importantly, again, thanks for all that you're doing there out in California and really around the country to uh, protect and strengthen and again, restore our right to keep and bear arms. Of course. Happy to do it. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate Anna joining us on the program. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking to more Attorneys for Michelle and Associates here in the very near future. Uh, hopefully, uh, Chuck Michelle will be able to join us next week talking about what uh, happened in the Seventh Circuit today. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Actually, before we get to that, you know, when you make choices about where to put your hard-earned dollars, you're supporting not only the company that made the product, but the values and the principles of that organization. It's easier to flip a switch against a company when they blatantly conflict with their values, but do you make an effort to do business with the companies that support What do you believe when you can? Do yourself a favor and give my friends at Defender Ammunition Company a shot. These guys are veteran-owned and operated. Every person on their staff is military-connected. Huge supporters of the military community. They're backing causes that are actually making a difference in the lives of those that have served. And in fact, all of the profits from Defender Ammunition's logoed gear goes directly to the charities that they support. This company is one to support as well. Their ammo is top-notch. Their customer service is incredible. One of their shipping department actually writes handwritten thank-you notes to their customers. Give Defender Ammunition a shot, and I promise you, when you do, you won't be going anywhere else. Check them out at DefenderAmmunition.com. Again, that's DefenderAmmunition.com. All right, so today's uh, good uh, deed of the day, we'll get to in a moment, 
as well as the uh, armed citizen story. But let's start with today's recidivist report, which comes uh, from the state of Chicago again, or the state of Illinois. And <laughs> sometimes it seems like the state of Chicago, the state of Illinois, where law-abiding gun owners are clearly the bigger threat to the Democratic majority than actual violent criminals like uh, this guy. Highland man sentenced for shooting at woman in truck after a work party. Uh, yeah. What was the sentence? Well, let's see. Work release and a couple of years of probation. Jose Navarrete, 39 years of age, old enough to know better, pleaded guilty back in April to possession of cocaine and criminal recklessness. He was originally facing attempted murder charges uh, after um, he got very upset. Apparently, uh, Navarrete was at a work party back in 2021 uh, with a woman uh, and other co-workers. He had too much to drink. And so the woman and another guy decided to drive Navarrete home in his truck. Woman's husband following behind in a cargo van. So as they're taking Navarrete home, uh, according to an affidavit, Navarrete made several sexual advances to the woman, groping her, licking her face. Eventually, the woman hits Navarrete in the face. He responds by trying to choke her, then pulls out a gun, fires a shot so close to her neck that he actually left powder burns there. Bullet goes through the front windshield. Navarrete then threatens to kill the woman as well as the other man in the truck who's driving. He pulls over. Woman gets out as fast as she can, leaving her cell phone behind, leaving her glasses behind, runs to her husband's uh, car. Navarrete, meanwhile, demands that the guy behind the wheel uh, continue to drive him home. Uh, according to an affidavit, the driver was, quote, beaten and threatened by Navarrete. When they get to Navarrete's home, the woman and her husband had actually followed behind to make sure their coworker was OK. I guess both coworkers were OK. Another fight breaks out. Woman grabs a ladder from the van, hits Navarrete in the head, finally knocking him unconscious. Uh, the uh, co-worker who was driving the van had to fire his own gun as a warning shot at one point. Then after Navarrete was knocked out, they were able to take his gun from him, leave the scene, uh, and uh, call 911. State trooper corroborated some of the woman's story. Uh, she was making a traffic stop, apparently, at the time. She saw the woman jump out of the truck and run to the nearby van. When authorities showed up at Navarrete's home, he refused to come out uh, for a while. Eventually, he did, uh, though he threatened to kill police officers at the scene. When officers impounded his pickup truck, they found a bag with 24 grams of cocaine, a suspected steroid, as well as hypodermic needles. Navarrete originally charged him with attempted murder, criminal confinement, possession of cocaine, criminal recklessness and battery by means of a deadly weapon, strangulation, sexual battery, and unlawful possession of a syringe, all which are felony offenses and could have put him in prison for years. But instead, a judge accepted a plea deal that uh, calls for two years of work release, another three years on probation, and the possibility of having to complete a drug and alcohol program. Never as a defense attorney said, listen, this is the first time he's ever been in trouble with the law, which may be, but I mean, come on, this is some pretty serious offenses here. This isn't like, well, I mean, Your Honor, he ran a stop sign, or even, yeah, Your Honor, he was caught with a joint in his pocket. But this is his first offense. Most people's first offenses don't involve charges of attempted murder. But the judge accepted the plea deal. So Navarrete will do no serious time behind bars. Uh, hopefully, he gets the help that he needs to turn his life around. But uh, he should be incredibly grateful for the sweetheart deal he was given. And Democrats should really be thinking. And I know they won't. But they really should be thinking about the criminal justice system that that they've set up where a violent offender like Mr. Navarrete can walk away with probation and work release. And yet somebody facing the, uh, the you know, charged with the crime of possessing a large capacity magazine could be looking at more serious time behind bars.
All right. Um, today's Armed Citizen story, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Don't have a ton of details about this yet because it happened on Wednesday, but uh, hopefully we'll learn more information uh, as time goes on here. What we do know is that police were called out to a home in South Fort Smith on Wednesday night for reports of an intruder. Um, when they got there, they found that a man had been shot. Uh, police were told he was breaking into the residence when the homeowner uh, fired in self-defense. Police reported that uh, all parties and witnesses quote, were accounted for, so I believe the uh, guy was acting alone. Uh, investigation continued on Wednesday night. Uh, so far, again, Fort Smith police have not released details about the uh, suspect, uh, anyone inside the home, or the uh, homeowner uh, who defended themselves, or perhaps their uh, family members, against this uh, would-be intruder. Hopefully, we'll uh, learn more information, and we will pass that on to you as it becomes available. But right now, this does appear to be a, a case of armed self-defense there in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, finally, today, in the right place, at the right time, we'll able to do the right thing. Police officer in Blue Springs, Missouri, who uh, helped save a woman's life while on the job the other day. And, man, you want to talk about a, a scary situation. Sarah Russell was on patrol. She had just left a call when she saw a woman on the side of the road flag her down. So Russell pulls over. As she's getting out, the woman runs to her car, comes out with a gun, points the gun at her own head, and threatened to take her life. Officer Russell said she immediately called for backup and then began to talk to the woman, pleading with her to put the gun down. She said she tried to give information about herself to figure out why the woman was feeling the way she was, saying she wanted to help uh, in any way she could. She said it was terrifying. She said they were having such a hard time. They thought it was their only option that they had to get out of the situation that they were in. Uh, Russell told KCTV, as a police officer, my favorite thing to do is to help people, and they needed my help. I ended up being at the perfect place at the perfect time. She spoke to the woman for about 20 minutes. Which she said felt more like a lifetime. She said everything lined up for me to make contact with that party, to give her my heart and soul, and to talking to them down. So they did not take their life. And Russell was successful. Again, after about 20 minutes, the woman agreed to lower the gun. Situation came to a uh, peaceful conclusion. A woman taken into custody. And hopefully she's going to get the help that she needs so that she doesn't ever find herself feeling the way she felt and, and feeling like there was no other option. Russell said, I couldn't believe they decided to listen and consider those other options because during the whole incident, it seemed like there was not going to be a good outcome. She said to see a good outcome from something so awful was amazing. And again, it's thanks to the life-saving efforts of Officer Sarah Russell there in Blue Springs, Missouri. Thank you, Officer Russell, for your very good deed. And listen, I know life can be overwhelming for all of us at times. So if you ever get to the point where you're feeling Again, like you've got no good options, please do everyone in your life a favor. Call 988. That's the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline. It's open 24 hours a day. You can even text them if you're more comfortable doing that. But we need you here. So, again, if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, know that you are not alone and there are folks who want to help. That is going to do it for uh, this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I'm looking forward to being back with you again on Monday. Yes, we're not taking July 3rd off. No way. We're going to do Tuesday instead for Independence Day. But we will be back again on Monday with a brand new edition of Cam and Company. In the meantime, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout to Friday and the weekend. We're going to keep you covered on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. And I would encourage you to become a VIP member as well. That way you get the exclusive content, the news stories analysis that uh, we give to our VIP members to say thank you and to show how grateful we are for your continued support. All you have to do is go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Again, we thank you so much 
for your support uh, for what we do here at Bearing Arms. Looking forward to being back with you again on Monday. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free.